now the whole like I have to scan my ID and then it does like a face scan too and what? like all the yeah it's like a oh is it like KYC yeah stuff? it's like a government website just to buy a fictional sock. <laughs> like, I I legitimately was trying to send someone a sock because they wanted the sock that I had and I didn't want the sock because it's a picture of a sock and uh, yeah I spent forty five minutes and I was unsuccessful. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to The Floorcast, episode 66. It's a special one. No interviewees, but I am sat in person in New York. Pet with three seats. First of all, to my right, Chris Madden. Hello, everyone. Returning after 15, 20 episodes? Yeah, probably been a while. Shipping? Shipping. Yeah, shipping. Chris K, you've just like frowned at the shipping. Are you shipping more? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, quantity Madden has quality. me working hard at the minute. But yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to see you in person. We thought you were just an AI voice, but apparently you're not. And to my left, we have another C. We have Cohen. Hi. Um, wow. What a perfect day for us to do this. The weather is wonderful outside. Literally 80 degrees in the city. I can't believe this. Everyone's outside wearing t-shirts except for CK, who's in a hoodie for some yeah, reason. Yeah, why are you wearing a the... wool hoodie on an 80 degree day? I didn't realize it was going to be this warm. Are you wearing anything under it? And apparently cashmere is good in the heat, so I don't feel Wait, too bad. What do you mean? You you send pictures of like your weather app every day with like the woody banter. How did you not know it was going to be this warm? So it said it was going to be warm yesterday, but it was a bit chilly when I went out. So I thought, well, it's going to lie to me again today. Um, it looked like there could be some rain. Um, so I'll put a hoodie on just in case. And you thought you were listening to a podcast about NFTs. Mm-hmm. So you thought, I flew in from Canada and I was wearing a down coat. And then when I got here, I was like, oh my God, this is a bad idea. Where in Canada? From Vancouver. Cold. I was in Toronto, then Vancouver, then here for some reason. Uh, I want to give a shout out to 1.37pm because uh, they are the reason we are able to do this in person and it sounds really good. Otherwise, it could have been quite chaotic um, using an assembly of lots of different mics and a laptop that was not fit for purpose for recording a four-person podcast. Um, but anyway, let's get into things. The first thing we want to talk about is, Chris Kate, we talked about Bitcoin NFTs about six weeks ago. And you and I both said this was a passing fad, flash in the pan moment. The amount of Bitcoin ordinals has already hit a million. And it, I think they're minting at like fifteen to 20,000 a day. H- have you revised your thoughts on Bitcoin NFTs? I'm going to say no, just because I don't like admitting when I'm wrong. Um, I, I don't see the point. I don't see why this is taking off. Like it makes no sense. Um, maybe Chris M can sort of... Uh, add some perspective there, but no, I don't think this is going anywhere. Well, now big marketplaces are starting to pick them up. Magic Eden like, is featuring them on their homepage. Are you saying you don't see the point of pictures on a blockchain? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Staggering. <laughs> Have you got a bull case for this, like Bitcoin NFTs? Bull case is strong, um, but I think if you think about why the Ethereum ecosystem is strong versus the Solana or Polygon ecosystem, a lot of it is that the friction of Ethereum, Ethereum network prices, like maximum Ethereum transaction volume, is actually a feature, not a bug, of the Ethereum NFT ecosystem. I think Bitcoin takes that to another level. It is a 
more expensive, less convenient network. And a million is actually a really small number. Like, I think a million is really just 110k collections. And so what we are seeing is smaller, tighter because of that friction. Given that this is all really just an excuse for us to speculate and gamble right now in this part of the market on things that we think are scarce, I do think the argument that ETH had for the only place that really makes sense for $100,000 million NFTs, I think Bitcoin also has an argument for that. I think just like everything with NFTs, it's the beginning of where culture and tokens meet. I think there will be a culture token story on Bitcoin and the, the idea that you can subdivide and inscribe individual units of Bitcoins. I think that will become something, whether it's pictures, I, I don't know. I saw a really interesting tweet the other day and it was kind of like the reason culture propagates is because of the friction between transactions. So like if you think about art, you know, how many owners does like a million dollar piece of art have in its lifetime? Or how many owner lifetimes does that piece of art have rather? It can be not that many. And actually that friction does create the culture. And I do sometimes wonder if the kind of frictionless chains in kind of transaction costs and so on and so forth will find it tougher to kind of have maybe higher priced NFTs, but also more like culturally significant ones. I kind of agree with that and then sort of disagree with that to some extent. I think the less friction, the lower the price. Uh, you know, that's what you need to sort of onboard, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. I think if you have a lot of friction, with, as you do with Bitcoin, if you don't have sort of things trading and sort of being liquid and changing hands, are they really still relevant in the culture if no one is being exposed to them? NFTs are a freemium product, right? So only one person can own, but many can view and experience to, to some extent, right? Depending on what it is, if it's art or a PFP, everyone can, everyone can see my Fingdom PFP that's worth nothing, but I, I, I'm the only one that owns it, right? I've never heard the argument for NFTs as freemium. And I think the, the problem with it is that right now, NFTs are product market fit for really two things, really one thing, but we'll be generous and say two. They have product market fit for speculating on them. And I think it is today probably untrue that anyone gets any value from seeing your thingdom other than the person who can potentially engage in the act of speculation on it. I think utility is the other piece that you could maybe argue there's some like product market fit there. It's early, whatever. I think you're right about the friction. It is hard to imagine. You know, culture requires scale at some point. It is hard to imagine Bitcoin NFT scaling to millions of people, which makes it hard to believe anyone's going to build anything important there. I think it might be a little cottage industry, though. I think in the in the developer ecosystem in Bitcoin as well, there's obviously like a huge divide on what they want the thing to be. And there is obviously a massive divide when it comes to ordinals and NFTs on, on that blockchain specifically, right? You've got like the OGs and the purists who just think this should just be digital gold or sound money, whatever it may be. And there are others who we can maybe call them more progressive, think that it can be used for other things. And I think that will make it more difficult for them to be a long lasting thing beyond the kind of like few cultural significant NFTs. That's the kind of funny and cool thing about the whole part of it, which is it was them who through a network upgrade created this opportunity by creating the the change as a separate unit that like sub-denominates. And it would be very, very, very challenging to stop this. 
Like it's now fundamental to the way that Bitcoin works. Mm. Like you'd have to upgrade the whole network, potentially hard fork. I actually don't know if that's true or not. Bitcoin Cash um, 2, let's go. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I should get Christine on to talk about that. Um, and I think there's something kind of fun and rebellious about that. The fact that it was them trying to make the network better for that purpose mm. that has kind of irrevocably created this opportunity for people to inscribe individual Satoshis. It's kind of funny. And also that kind of speaks to the original rebellious nature of Bitcoin in the first place, right? Like the first crowd of people it attracted were like cypherpunks, people that were maybe inherently anti-establishment to some extent and kind of like nerds, to be honest. And sorry. Um, <laughs> he apologized to Chris K in particular there. Just for those that are only listening. Are you saying it? the Bitcoin pirates have become the Bitcoin Navy? That's a good episode title. <laughs> Corn, are you going to round us off on the Bitcoin segment of this? Episode? No, I, I think your I think your argument is definitely interesting though about the friction. I didn't never thought about it that way. Um, I just stole it from a tweet. <laughs> okay. Also, another thing too is like maybe like people who like JPEGs on blockchain. They just want to stick to the OG, which is Bitcoin, like all the Bitcoin maxis do. So, and maybe that will become a bigger thing in the future if there's easier ways for people to obtain it, if you want it to scale. But yeah, I'm not in the space at all. That's actually a good point. And sorry, I know we were rounding it out, but the reason Ethereum NFTs got so expensive is there were just a bunch of whales who had a bunch of Ethereum and had basically nothing to do with it. And so created this stupid little toy market. Not to be too reductive. I think the fact that most Bitcoin OGs, so I'm assuming they align with the Bitcoin whales, are you know, not interested is a big problem. But if there was to become a movement towards actually we do want to make Bitcoin an NFT environment, if you unlock that whale money, there's more whale money on Bitcoin than there is mm. on Ethereum. So the opportunity to support a very high priced market is real. That's actually a really interesting point in the sense that I wonder how many people buying Bitcoin NFTs are original Bitcoin maxis or people within the Bitcoin ecosystem. Very already. few from what I can see. Yeah. It's Ethereum bridge and then people speculating yeah. on future value. Yes. Yeah. As CK said a couple podcasts ago as well, it's like he went on like Farcaster and it's just all <laughs> it's just all hate from like Bitcoin maxis. Yeah, I, I mean, they must hate the fact that, that I can go to any supermarket, put some money in a vending machine and get some Bitcoin out. You know, what's to stop the commoners coming in there? I, I told you once that um, a mutual friend almost got scammed by a fake kind of HMRC, that's the tax people in the UK, call, and she ended up at a Bitcoin ATM ready to withdraw £7,000, which is, you know, about $10,000. I've seen them like pop up at like barbershops randomly and I have not seen them in like the past year and a half now. There, there's Monero ones everywhere in Toronto. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised Monero over like Zcash. Monero, Bitcoin, and Litecoin. Those are the three main... I'm a big fan of Monero. <laughs> I'm a huge who's, fan of Monero. Who's getting some, some Litecoin hey, in the cash machine? Silver. And for people who don't know, Monero is like this like super privacy coin. Like no one can see where your transactions go. I mean, there's a lot of arguments on chain about it, but yeah. Yeah. Slightly illegal as well. Is um, it illegal? Well, I mean, isn't that founder completely like in hiding well not in hiding but like in private custody is that right i'm not sure for monero maybe yeah. i don't know maybe i think so monero's like a i think they're like a top 15 they always have market been. cap right now yeah they always are you have pumping been. your monero bags right <laughs> now no i what bags Solana's. you can't see my monero bags <laughs> 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 it's so private can't even see them so, 
Um, right, okay. I think, yeah. I, think, I think we should move on before <laughs> this gets out of hand. Um, so you are doing another drop after the you know, Bitcoin drop that did really well. I'm going to read this out and then you guys tell me if this is not complicated enough or too complicated. So anyone who holds other deeds, Yuga Metaverse land is now able to claim an NFT called a vessel and decouple their coder from their land if they have one. This is in preparation for Yuga's next upcoming Game of Legends of Mara, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, uh, which is set to launch in May. And so far, about 25,000 out of 100k vessels have been claimed. Have Yuga just lost their minds here from a complexity standpoint? What's a coder and why should I care about decoupling it? I don't know the answer to that. The coder is the little animal that I think that can live on the other side. And there's only like 10k of them or something, right? It's only like 20 or 30. I I don't know. It's a very low amount. There's not that many of them. But do you think it's they've attracted that kind of audience and they're just going really hard on the law and across all verticals, gaming, story, entertainment, etc, etc? Or should they have like not made it this complex and try to broaden their audience out a little bit with, I don't know, cheaper NFTs or what else they could have done? I haven't seen a fun game experience yet from Yuga. Like, there's a few interesting sort of tech demos that I'd call them, but, you know, I think... Well, Dookie Dash did quite well. It was very simple, though. Like, Best games are simple. They can build a sort of competent game that is okay, but nothing that is sort of really world-changing given the resources they can invest in it. Like... It's interesting everything they're doing with these sort of claiming, burning mechanics. Um, but yeah, I, I think at some point you're just sort of jumping through hoops waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I don't know, I just like to see a bit more sort of entertainment, a bit more sort of value come out of it versus just pay- paying gas to exchange one token for another that does something slightly different. I want to see where it's going and I want to sort of have a reason why I should participate in this. And they just haven't really gave anything compelling yet. It's just they've raised a ton of money. They're obviously working on a lot of things. They obviously want to be a AAA game studio from the looks of it. Who doesn't these days? And, and, you know, they're, they're building lots of tech, which is great. But you know, for the average consumer, for the average holder, it's like they're not really justifying why I should care right now. And like the most of things they do like this, where it's like, okay, well, you have complexity here. You need to sort of think about sort of how this works and then make the decision. Do you sort of do the claim? Do you not? Um, And, you know, how do you use these? I just think, you know, they need to get the other stuff in gear before they um, move on to this. I will play slight devil's advocate for that. So, and you know my position. Fuck the apes. Like, I'm not. A Yuga fan, I don't enjoy Build Apes. I don't we've enjoy already that used that title. No, we've already used that title. You can't use it again. But, so I was hanging out with my friend recently and his son was there. Son's 11, 12 years old and was reminding me something I knew a long time ago, which was all the ins and the outs of Pokemon series and how to play the Pokemon game with other people. And as an adult who didn't care about it, sorry, Honestly, we spent 30 minutes talking about it. I couldn't figure out the rules of this Pokemon game. Like, it's it's very complex. However, millions of children every day, like, get super into it and play it and, like, talk about these rules. And I think, you know, where you say, what is a coder? Why should I care? Should I decouple it? Should I not? For you, those are things that are, like, 
burdensome questions. I think for the people who are just the grown-up children who live in this world right now, this is actually hundreds of hours of like research and game theory and talking in the community about the trade-offs. And I think in the absence of having any actual purpose, they do have to entertain. I think that entertainment for them looks a bit different than us. I think it's giving them something to talk about and do. And I think these are all examples of that. They're choosing whether to pick up the yellow or the blue rock in their Pokemon game and whether they should play their Pikachu or their Bulbasaur, but on chain. Not to double devil's advocate, but... I don't even know what that means. I, I, I don't even know because it's not Does exactly... Does it like cancel it out or... <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, but with the Pokemon example, right, you can release loads of games. They're all fairly cheap or you can play Pokemon go for free and then there's the, the kind I'm of talking free... physical cards here oh yeah i'm yeah. talking like cards that you go to the store right, every okay. week and you pointlessly buy another 25 <laughs> of them for 5.99 and it's endless i've been there but in this ecosystem specifically the barrier to entry is quite high so if the barrier to entry is quite high and it's complex doesn't that automatically basically like the pool of people that you're extracting value from is a specific pool and enlarging that without like diminishing the value of the kind of assets that are being used or speculated on blah blah it's actually really really difficult right for you to go from like an ecosystem of 150,000 nfts that is making them x amount of money a month I, I know they kind of had this kind of freemium model with dookie dash and it made them a fair bit of money but like doing that at scale from 150,000 assets to you know 15 million and like five or ten different games is, is going to be very difficult and I'd probably wager that the average price of 15 million NFT assets in the Yugo ecosystem compared to 15,000 or 150,000 is going to be a lot lower than it currently is. So there's going to always be that between a rock and a hard place for them as they, as they grow and expand. The only way to get there, in my opinion, is with depth of lore. So mm. they need to create a really compelling immersive universe for the people that are there today one that's aspirational and one that in time they want to let more people into. I see a lot about dilution of Yuga assets. I actually don't buy that at all. Bored Apes are still Bored Apes. They're True. still the most valuable collection. There are no more Bored Apes. The rest of the stuff, honestly, I think in the grand scheme of things, will go down as like junk that was part of their move to gaming. And I think eventually will themselves be lower priced assets. I think a lot of additional assets will exist. But I think they're going to hopefully find something that's actually fun to do on the blockchain for that group of people that they can then do for more people. Because I think Doodles is having this problem. Owning a pair of socks as a JPEG is not fun. On a flow. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they've figured out like how to, how to actually make something enjoyable for a larger group of people. If I were in one of their two positions right now, I'd rather be in the position of trying to know what we are for a group of people that prove they'll spend money with us and then expand once we know what's fun than fuck you guys like we're gonna go turn this into like a whole ton of low priced nfts same value prop which wasn't really working in the first place and we don't know what it is we're actually trying to get people to do honestly like we were talking about link style probably four or five episodes ago and you know i, I was writing about them in my newsletter and that's actually one of the things that i pointed out as like one of the standout things in comparison to a lot of other nft projects and i know it's not completely comparable to Yuga, but the fact that they had a core set of NFTs and then straight away started thinking about scale beyond NFTs to a broader audience while still accruing value to those main NFT holders. Um, 
And to your point, like with Doodles and some of the iterations they've made and and all the things they're trying to do, which is really super complex, right? Like the kind of customizable angle and, um, you know, integrating flow, et cetera, all this stuff's quite hard. And then to make it like a really fun experience that like people love um, in the first place is, is, is difficult. And then scaling to a broad audience that Doodles want to do with, you know, millions of, of people in the future is 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 super duper difficult so um yeah it, it'll be interesting to see how some of these nft projects scale you, you just looked at me like you really wanted to say something for no, you so. i was just looking at you <laughs> <laughs> just when i look at you, you missed me <laughs> yeah i did miss you uh long time no see um i've said this so many times but like right now you guys like the underdog in the gaming market for web3 like Square Enix is coming out, one of the biggest game publishers. They already said they're doing Web3. You have Fortnite doing Web3 now. And these are like all AAA game studios. It's so difficult to create a game for the masses. And I don't know if Yuga is going to be the winner long term for that. Because more people might already want to continue to play games they love and be in the Web3 ecosystem that way. Yeah, I, I think all the big NFT projects that have raised a bunch of money and accrued massive audiences already are kind of forced to go after gaming to some extent because of the market size and the market growth and even if you can you know you can take 0.001% of that market you you're gaining a lot from it yeah alternate yuga strategies you know, build deep lore take the like 50,000 people in the ecosystem we've proved that they'll spend tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars and actually then build on your credibility by offering a platform for the Square Enixes and whatnot of the world, be their go-to-market partner. I think the people who issue billions of NFTs will probably be many of the brands we already know. I think you're seeing that with like the Starbucks-y type stuff mm-hmm. and platforms that pop up to serve them. You know, who wouldn't want to partner with Yuga to bring a like Web3 game to market? That feels quite compelling. I can see that happening. Like They've definitely been building out the engine tech um, and... But like that's the bit that no one cares about from them. Like they are experts in the on-chain aspects of bringing a game to market. The off-chain stuff, like I don't know, like everyone has the Unreal Engine or whatever. It's cool and new now. But I think if they can package that up as a solution for folks who want to build their own metaverses, then great. Um, you know, that's a viable business option. Do we drink whenever someone says metaverse? Is that how it how it goes? I don't have my liquor cabinet next to me today. Um, Should we do that? No, we, we have been doing much. it. Have, have you not been joining? No. Oh, that explains something. Um, <laughs> going back to the law thing, like I will say, Chris, like I don't sort of agree that law is essential to building these sort of NFT gaming offerings. Like you look at Pokemon, it's not the law. Like right now, sure, you have like a zillion Pokemons and each has a backstory, but back in the day... It was really just Pikachu and the other one. There was 250 of them. Was there? Yeah. But I feel like it's grown over time and they started with an addictive game mechanic that was sort of sticky and got people on board. Then people were like, okay, I want to learn more about Pikachu, his friends. I actually thought it was a TV show first. Play with that. Was it? But, But I might be totally wrong. Yeah, I think it was like a TV show, then cards, and then a video game. I think it was a comic, then a TV show, then... Like, I collected Pokemon cards when I was a kid, but... You and me both. Still got loads of I only remember the cards and then like I feel like the comics and the games sort of came a bit later. It's possible you're right. I'm not an expert, but I did think the Magic TV the Gathering is sort of like an example of another sort of card game. You know, that's expanded, that's got so much 
um, expansion packs, so many like deep lore pieces. But that started small and it was just a very addictive thing that you could play with a few friends. Yeah. I don't think that lore needs to be very deep. You need a compelling dynamic. But I think for a Yuga, I think on-chain fun. So I, I think Wolf Game is actually a really interesting example of this. I think Wolf Game is actually a fun online gambly game theory whatever game and it's not fun because i have a 3d immersive environment i think people mistake game equals 3d or even 2d like interactive real time i shoot things or dodge things kind of dynamic i think wolf game's fun are we talking aj ajv wolf game that one yeah the oh, okay. wolf game with the sheep and the wolf yeah, yeah, and I, the money for and some the reason i was thinking the... of a different game but yeah okay yeah. Like, but what it... different wolf game were you thinking I, I was thinking of, um, oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Because for some reason, I thought there was another game too. I think there's a few of them. There have been a few of these that have tried to do it. Most of them have gone to zero because of contract exploit or like just fundamental dynamics, like problems. But I do think just jumping back on the complexity point you made um, when you were talking about Pokemon just there, I do actually think to some extent that complexity point is is quite a strong one in the sense that I saw my eight-year-old cousin for the first time in like four years recently and he had an ipad and he was playing roblox and i was just like i think if he gave me that ipad right now even though it's a very simple game i just probably would it would take me like a few days to work out what to do and and you know i've played loads of more complex games than a random you know kind of arcade style or platform style game as um (laughs) as roblox but it would still take me a while to like get used to the thing and the rules and then also the other point is like very complex games like um warzone or fortnite even like they have tens of millions of users right we each have a professional topic and a personal topic that we know more about than really we should it's a complete waste of brain space and they're betting that for a few thousand people that are going to spend their money board ape and the yuga ecosystem is going to be one of those things Mm. and They'll probably be right because it turns out having a hundred grand on the line, it's a pretty good reason to go and do some research. Yeah. It's one of the, like when people are like, what should I first do if I want to learn about crypto? Or like take a hundred pounds and waste it. (laughs) (laughs) Because like there is nothing that will make you learn more about like altcoin 917 uh, than spending like 10 pounds on it. You've been there. It's a huge learning curve. It really is. (laughs) I remember when I first got into... Not crypto, but uh, NFTs originally. It was like, I spent like three days watching YouTube videos. I, I did like Zed Run after NBA Top Shots or whatever. And like, like what are these? These are traits. Okay, now there's all this like, you could breed and do all this with this game. And it was so complicated, but I literally spent like, I'm not even joking, like 60 hours straight, like trying to learn as much as possible. And it was a huge learning curve. But Top Shot is a, actually a perfect example because they've recently done this like, pre-claimable mint I don't know if you saw it but this pre-claimable mint pass thing for the NBA playoffs where you get a a certain amount of claimable things and as the moment happens during the playoff game I think you can like claim that moment but you've only got a certain amount of like chips to play if that makes sense but again like Roham did a thread on it and he was like at the bottom he was like happy to answer any questions and it was like a (laughs) hundred comments like what is this? Like, how does it work? This is so different to just like collecting moments. And so I guess when you do have that like core audience, you can, if you you feel that they are requiring more complexity because they want to spend more energy and time on it, you can push the boat out, I suppose. 
Yeah, it's very complicated stuff. I used to be super bullish on flow. Um, now, now it's just doodle socks. But I, like, don't get me wrong. Long term, <laughs> I'm big doodles fan. I really want them to win, but it's yeah, it's not always easy being a doodles holder uh, today. Actually, on Top Shot, they need to start burning some supply, or they're just like. I think they're doing that, but it's it only started like recently. And again, I'm not an expert on that on that ecosystem. I've, I've never had a top I just, shot before, but I just like how easy they make things. But now the whole like I have to scan my ID, and then it does like a whole like face scan too. And like all the, yeah, it's like oh, a okay, it's KYC like, stuff. Yeah, it's like a government website just to buy a fictional sock. <laughs> like, I I legitimately was trying to send someone a sock because they wanted the sock that I had, and I didn't want the sock because it's a picture of a sock. And uh, yeah, I spent 45 minutes and I was unsuccessful. Can you do anything with sock. a sock yet? Yes, you can. If you get all of the different types of sock, I think you can claim a new type of sock. A gold sock, but a I think sock. that was like a, that was a snapshot thing. So not anymore. I would love a gold sock. That sounds cool. How much are gold socks going for? I, know, I have gold toe socks, not sponsored, but... Oh, so you're pumping your Monero bags and <laughs> Corin is privately sponsored by Gold Toe. <laughs> They're, they have the name Gold in them. Right, uh, next topic. Brought to you by. <laughs> Brought to you by uh, Socks. Uh, next topic, Artifact and Nike. So Nike are going to launch their first virtual creations, AF1, to commemorate 50 years of uh, Air Force creations. And, oh, damn. Custom floor Air Force Ones. I didn't bring my floor ones. I forgot. You've got so floor Air Force? Yeah, we have floor. That's the one he has on. Oh, no way. Patrick yeah, made them for uh, the holiday party last year. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, swoosh, uh, uh, you know, Nike's... Oh, I still haven't claimed mine. Did you claim your dot swoosh? I haven't claimed it. What is a dot swoosh? It's your, like, Nike ID. It's like your digital Nike It's like ID. your ENS. Yeah, it's like your Nike ENS, so that you can claim or buy virtual Nike Air Force that you can eventually make physical. I think you can make them physical eventually. So I can't buy products from them without my dot swoosh. Pretty much. Because it's still in beta as everything is in. But anyway, bullish on Nike digital products? I'm bullish on Nike and Adidas, what they do in the space. Like any big brands that they do in the Okay, look, I know Adidas has dropped the ball and so has Nike like on some of their previous drops and people have been upset. But like seeing big brands like them in the space, like what Nike did with their sweatshirt with the QR code and you have like the, or it's like an AR experience. But that's with like artifact, the right? But it's Nike. Yeah, but this is like, dot swoosh is like Nike's thing that Artifact help on. And again, there's yeah. going to be a lot of like crossover and collaboration there. But this yeah. is like the first big thing that Nike are like spearheading, right? Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. Who is it for? Is it for Web3 people that they want to like deepen the Nike connection with? Or is it for Nike consumers that they want to bring to Web3? So Pet, you're super into this, but my understanding was they're trying to do like what they do with the Drops app mm. and kind of bring that to Web3-ish yeah. a little bit. Drops yeah. was cool. They started like a actual sneaker movement with yeah. Drops. But they're trying to do something similar. I, I do, Last time I checked, there was like 30 to 50,000 uh, swoosh ID claims. Wow. So it's mean thirty thousand floor ID claims. Well, there we go. Take that, Nike. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, I do see this. Like, I think the feedback loop you can create with like digital products, if some of those things can be curated and then made into physical sneakers, I think is is a really interesting proposition. Digital to physical is cool. 
I just don't know why I need an ID badge to... The reason I'm more bullish on this than what Adidas are doing is because Adidas are like trying to go very crypto native heavy and like they're, they've created their new like uh, into the metaverse avatar. Have you seen it? It's like that, like it looks like a ghost and I have it's for like a metaverse world. And I'm just kind of like, surely Adidas should be kind of just doing what they do where they're really successful with physical merchandise and doing it in some tandem with nfts and digital products i just think it's pretty weird that they've again slight tangent on nike but very going back to nike though didn't they what was the backlash about recently like one of their drops was like a a shoelace like maker or something like that the the backlash recently was some of the artifact real life like jackets or products oh yeah did you see that yeah the difference between the mocks and the real ones it was wild You know what I'm talking about, like the shoelace thing. Like uh, Obi One, like bought one for. I, I think he bought a shoelace. No, it's like you know those artifact capsule things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he bought one for like one ETH, and then it ended up just being like something to do with like a shoelace or something. So then the price dropped to like zero point zero six. Yeah. Okay. Like that's brutal. So so the the issue they had is when they did the forge event with some of the Nike with with some of the artifacts Air Force sneakers. Um where you could that you could customize them OpenSea couldn't like you could customize the sneaker and then when you sold the customizable one you only got the base asset so yeah, like i think that was one of the big backlashes they were that someone saw on the contract they were like you know as soon as you sell one of these customizable ones all the assets are lost and you only get the base asset so that, that was seems the, pretty bad yeah that is bad especially if your value prop is they should have made with mason they should have they should have made with mason <laughs> Um, this this feature no, brought to you. No, right. no, the slogan is "Should have minted with Mason." <laughs> it should have made with Mason. It is their website. Dot com. I mean, speaking of plugs, before we move on to our final topic, which I think will be a juicy one, what's the latest from Floor? Oh man, it's a crazy week this week. Do you see all the bags under ours? <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw you I tweeting did. at like late EST time. I think I was. I think I went to bed at like two something uh. last night, and then was back up with Chris this morning at like six thirty-seven. Yeah, it's. Big week. So we rolled out three weeks ago uh, floor usernames. And actually just, I think that's the first time we shared it publicly. We've seen about 30,000 people claim them over the last uh, three weeks, which has been amazing. It's just been really cool to see people really grab hold of it. And we haven't even revealed all the things you can do with it yet, uh, which is also going to be really cool. Um, Yesterday, we airdropped all of the Genesis holders, uh, username claim tokens. And so essentially you can burn these tokens Uh, to claim usernames that you can't prove you own through another channel. So previously, the goal is kind of make sure that we protect this namespace as best we can by leaning on existing Web2 stuff. So, you know, today you can claim, anyone can claim their own Twitter username on floor. So like bring their identity, port it, which is like Twitter's probably the number one Web3 identity proxy today. But with username claim tokens, you can burn them and you can claim the usernames that you weren't there on Twitter to claim. So... Uh, CK over here burnt 20 tokens to get at CK. Uh, obviously, you can't get at CK on Twitter anymore. So giving some benefit for being early. There's a little machine learning box that tries to make sure you can't get names you shouldn't. Um, for the most part, it's working. We've seen a couple go by that we were like, damn it, should have uh, should have stopped that one. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So that went out yesterday. Uh, this week's very much about getting username claim tokens into folks' hands and helping our earliest users uh, to you know take advantage of being early. Um, 
also haven't announced this publicly yet. When does this drop? Uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I think we'll actually be public by then. Uh, so we're launching uh, Lux Rebler and... X2Y2. Yeah. Magic Eden. That sounds right. Not Magic Eden yet. Uh, Lux, <laughs> Lux Rebler and X2Y2 support uh, today at midday. Um, so that will be in the app. We're doing uh, some co-promotional stuff with Luxray, which will be cool. And then actually quietly rolling out right now is notifications for all of the collections you own. Um, so previously you had to watch collection to get alerts. That was largely because there's just like a lot of people with a lot of collections. I got one on my way here. Um, so now you'll start getting uh, alerts for all the collections that you own, um, significant movements. There's like a little box that learns what significant means for different collections. Um, really excited about it. Probably the biggest step forward set of things uh, in a week that we've done in a while. And on the back of that, lining up for our first new chain launch in a while in the next few weeks. <laughs> Sorry. I just straight away looked at Corwin because I was like, is it one of the chains that he always pumps well, on the show? Just because and like... it's Monero. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, we can't say the chain, but... We were in a meeting last week and the founder of that chain popped up in the meeting and I freaked out. <laughs> oh, it was really cool to see. Nice. Can't uh, believe you had a call with Satoshi. <laughs> I had a call with Satoshi. Who is the founder of Monero anyway? Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea. Apparently he's under arrest or something. <laughs> so probably didn't come I'm to gonna, I'll put it in the description. Is that what's actually, actually real? Is I'll that search up when someone else is talking. All right, I'm selling all my coins. Has, <laughs> anyone, has anyone got at pet yet? I need to upgrade from... No one has that pet yet. In fact, actually, I don't think you can even claim it. I think I blocked it for you. Did you actually? Uh, that yeah, was nice I think everyone you. who put it in we didn't the block team Sid, form, though, so someone got Sid. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, go get it. Well, because I saw someone get at Pete. Obviously, that's yeah. their name, but yeah. I thought they were like bantering my Also, name. someone got at Petter. Yeah, yeah, at Petter. yeah, so you need to go get at Petter. I need to go get that. Yeah, I think that's what, 10, 10 burn? Yeah, 10 tokens. Yeah, 10 tokens. 10 gem ones or 10 overall? Oh, no, 10 uh, username claim tokens. 10 username claim tokens, sorry. Yeah. I'm sure you'll have I've got that or more, yeah. I've got those in my pocket. I'll be burning. <laughs> I'll be burning for that pet. Um, what was I going to say? You should I, do that before this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would yeah. do that today. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. do that tonight, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just haven't had Wi-Fi on my laptop in ages. I've been hiking. Is our next topic not sports ball related? It isn't. It's actually Lovely. to do with, will OpenSea ever launch a token? No. Next. That was my last token uh, topic. So, fun fact, <laughs> I I got like six, six different wallets. I had their gem, Gemesis, is that how you say it? Gemesis, yeah. Gemesis token, and I literally just sold them all right away for like 0 0.06, which ended up being like 500, 600 bucks. What are they sitting at now? Uh, 0 0.04, I think. Okay. It's actually like, considering the amount yeah. of supply they created, not a horrible. So 180k total supply... But it turns out that there's some rarity to them based on how many trades you had on Gem previously. Like secret hidden rarity that yeah, they didn't Yeah, it's a secret hidden first. rarity. There's like a Dune dashboard that has a... Curtis linked it to me. I'll have to find it. There's, we put there's it in the show a total notes. supply of 180,000 Gemesises. That's correct. Gemesis? Yeah, Gemesis. Gemesai. 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 About half of them have been minted so far. Is it open for public mint though? Uh, no. Like, I think it's reserved think spy half, for any wallet. Are, are you sure? Because last when time I, I checked, it was about 70,000. So that's uh, what I've got. Actually, right that does make sense. Remember, I got stuck at that one number, Chris. Oh, and they hit the maximum size of a signed 32 bit integer. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I've been doing like 
Monero found the research. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? So apparently recently their founder refuted claims that he's an informant for Interpol, which makes me think... He is. Allegedly. Allegedly, I am going to go sell my bag. Um, <laughs> you can go to an ATM in Toronto. In Toronto. The, the best Let me go to Toronto to sell my Monero. Got it. But seriously, on the open sea topic, I, even as, you know, floor we've considered lots of different options to bring some of the dynamics in the product on chain and as you think about creating a token as like a us based good acting company that actually wants to stick around for the long game we just saw coinbase launch their own blockchain very intentionally even coinbase who has probably the most progressive take on being a big public compatible kind of company make the very active choice not to create a native currency for that chain um, and avoid essentially ICOing the product. I don't see a way, like OpenSea's already in a proxy battle with the SEC that they've thrown this Nate guy in front of. I don't see a world where without significantly improved guidance from like various regulators, how OpenSea could actually offer a token. And so, like, I don't think we're going to see any good acting US-based entities of that size issue tokens in the next 18 to 24 months, for sure. And I think a lot of people have been speculating about this because a lot of their volumes have been gobbled up by alternative exchanges. But this is carbon copy of basically what happened with Coinbase, Kraken, Binance, name any other exchange that came up. Like, Coinbase were very frustrated that they saw so much volume go to these alternate exchanges because they were listing every ICO. But they have outlasted a lot of those exchanges because they've been the tried and trusted, the law-abiding good company in the States. And that's been good for them long-term. And I do kind of, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And I'm not saying like Blur looks rare or any of these other um, exchanges are not law-abiding or doing anything dodgy, but I do think they are definitely skirting that line. And especially with like all the wash trading you see, this stuff will eventually get picked up and I do think it will hurt those exchanges in the in the longer term. Is Blur a US company? I don't Because they're backed by US investors, but... Almost certainly. The, and like not every token issuance has to be bad. Like yeah, the problem is when you, have, when you have significant traction outside of it, the risk it brings on the rest of the business to do that is enormous. Like when step one is go and open a Cayman Island entity with no directors, that's like a, a pretty good sign that maybe this thing is going to be under a little bit of scrutiny. Uh, if I'm OpenSea, like there is an argument that they need to compete somehow. I think in a world where the space is growing, they compete by being closer to the consumer. Like Blur is not a product that 10 million people will use. It's just not. Um, in a world where there's only the million people who are trading, it is a tougher environment. Uh, but I think you risk the whole farm today by launching a token. And I I suspect few people are going to risk the entire farm when they have a like a real good profit-driving business with enough capital in the bank to outlast the three-year like winter potential that we have. I think it would be potentially short-sighted on their part. I, I totally agree. And I, to be honest with you, I, I'm kind of surprised that OpenSea haven't gone harder on that consumer-facing proposition. Like they obviously just launched OpenSea Pro, which we were just talking about, and that's to try and rival Blur to some extent. 
I do wonder if maybe at some point soon they go completely the other direction and focus on mobile and just more onboarding-y type stuff. Yeah, I hope they do because they're just trying to play catch-up with Blur and like being more like reactive and proactive. Wh- which makes sense, right? Yeah. When you see your lunch getting eaten, it's very hard not to yeah. try and like well, Tides have turned of Blur too recently. A lot of like people in Web3 are upset with them because they've caused a lot of floors to go down. Um, <laughs> but also like the the new OpenSea Pro is so slow. It's like... It is? It's I've not actually not used so it slow. I can't get graphs to load. It's... Oh, good. <laughs> oh, well. Good stuff. Should have been to have Mason. <laughs> <laughs> OpenSea's in a tough spot. Um, yeah. You know, it's unclear that the self-custodial, you know, none of our business, what happens kind of approach is going to be able to scale to you know, tens of millions of users. I think the stuff that we've all sat here and complained about, about flow is the other side of the coin of what we know can work to onboard more users, which is essentially like custodial wallet management. Um, I don't think OpenSea knows what its strategy is yet, or at least they certainly haven't played their hand if they do for something that could onboard a lot more users. I don't think it's a Fox plugin for your Chrome with, you know, you managing a private key and all of that stuff. It's, it's a Microsoft Edge plugin. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I actually think, and I'm, I'm really bullish on Coinbase here with Base and with, you know, their exchange and they have a lot of the raw ingredients mm. to like, you know, step up and say, we will be a safe a onboarding. Exactly. We'll be a safe onboarding port for folks into this world. Uh, I think they lack the NFT kind of cultural engagement and intuition today. But that's only to the market as it exists right now, which is like, honestly, kind of dumb in most parts. Um, there's there's pockets of good, but yeah, OpenSea are in a tough spot. It's mm. not entirely clear what you do to win. And, and I think the self-hosted wallet route allays a lot of the regulatory stuff that, you know, you mentioned flow and how easy it is to onboard. But now what you have to do to buy a top shot is stark contrast to what you have to buy a, an OpenSea NFT or an NFT on OpenSea. And at the same time, Dapper are getting hit with lawsuits claiming that, you know, top shots are securities, which, you know, I've, I've written about a lot and we've spoken about on the, on the show. If they were kind of sued two years ago, they would probably lose that battle. Now it's probably a little bit more gray, but I do think those regulatory hurdles are really tough. I like, I'm sure there's a hundred things open seat. I'm sure there's a hundred things you guys at floor want to do that it's kind of like impossible to do because at the regulatory risk. Christine reminds me of this often. Well, she's not on the show today and I, I have to be that voice. Because of Christine's, everything we do is super cautious. Yeah, it's diligent. Yeah, which is good. Diligent. Diligent's a great word. Sorry about cautious. <laughs> Cut cautious. Um, Chris K, any final thoughts? No, I, I agree with um, most of what Chris um, wow. said. Wow, shade. Like, OpenSea, they're in a tough spot. Um, I don't think they're going to win with the pro traders. Like, I think they've already gone to Blur and, you know, Gem, uh, OpenSea Pro is not very good. They've Tyler been, the episodes. <laughs> they've been experimenting with things in the consumer space. They've done minting. They've obviously done collabs with artists. Like, they're trying to be sort of, I think, the artist's friend but maybe not as friendly as um, Foundation and... Um, super Rare. Sup- maybe Super yeah, Rare. Super Rare. Super Rare, Foundation. Nifty uh, Gateway. Nifty Gateway. 
but like ultimately, you know, what is the goal in a diversified ecosystem? Like the, the eBay of NFTs, essentially. Yeah. Well, speaking of eBay, Amazon are going to roll out real soon. And I'm really interested to see what kind of happens. see what happens. <laughs> to see what happens with They're leaning their, in. Yeah, like, exactly. The, a number of people I know right now who are not at NFT NYC or are, you know, variously preoccupied right now by stuff that's lining up for, it's like a dozen folks. Like, I think there's a lot of people in the space getting involved. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I've heard many, they have many launch partners. Yeah. Many. Many launch like a partners. Lot. Like, and unlike Coinbase, they didn't just announce all their launch partners and then do nothing with them. <laughs> Here's the Instagram app for NFTs. I'm really curious to see what Amazon do there because a lot of the PR has been kind of about linking physical stuff. But a lot of the PR has been on the down low, actually. But like they've done a lot of educational stuff on NFTs. And then there's been a lot of noise about like linking physical stuff to NFTs on an Amazon, presumably an Amazon chain or, or some sort of side chain, or at least an EVM compatible one. Um, I'm just praying for EVM compatible. I, th I think it probably will be. What was that one chain that got like 1.5 million way. locked up recently? And they had to like, because it wasn't EVM compatible. Oh, that this was, um, what was it? ZK, ZK yeah. something. Else. And yeah, so it's not that it wasn't... EVM compatible, it claimed to be EVM compatible, but there was some um, logic difference in terms of how they processed like payments uh, and how contracts paid out. That meant that code that worked fine on Ethereum Polygon didn't work on this chain, so they just couldn't get the money out of the contract. Yeah. It was like 1.5 million got asterisk. Yeah. And then apparently they're trying to help them get the money back. So I wonder if they're going to like do like a fork or I don't know what they're going to well, do. Well, didn't they do that with Solana? They did a hard fork of the chain to fix some Persobs issue. Oh, really? I don't know. I think it was Solana. Um, Maybe. I think they, that's how they like shut came down to exist, or something right? to, and then had all the, the validators. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was like last summer though. That was a while. When we interviewed um, Silly Tuna, he was, he was like, I tried to warn them about the DAO. And then it happened. I tried to warn him. <laughs> I tried to warn him. <laughs> like five minutes of the... He was like, I'm known for selling an expensive NFT, but actually, I tried to stop the DAO act. Which <laughs> 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 is quite funny. Um, Amazon NFTs, any final thoughts? Like, no strong feelings? Super curious to see. Like, I, I think we have many broken hearts right now. Like, we keep seeing big brands come in, we get really excited... And then, you know, they largely fall flat on their face. I think Amazon is in a really interesting position to do something differentiated and different and actually answer some of the questions of like, why is it good that this thing is tokenized and tradable and compatible with other marketplaces and there's open standards? And like, I think, I think they're in a really special place uh, to help push the industry forward. And I can't wait to see it. And to do it in a very obvious way as well. Like, I think that, again, we harp on about Reddit all the time, right? because it's a great example, but by just turning that tap on and making your PFP avatars on your customizable profile tradable and ownable, like they've just sparked a euphoric, you know, very healthy ecosystem, uh, which is amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if the way or the route Amazon go is by having those small tap turns and small toggles that just like 
flick a switch in people's brains and be like, yeah, this this just makes sense. I mean, Amazon is sort of unique um, in like all these companies going after NFTs in that they have a very large digital product business today. Kindle, they have Prime Video, they have Prime, whatever else they have. I'd love to see them sort of dog food and sort of really permeate their business with this. Like, I, I want to be able to sell my Kindle books. I want to be able to take the digital movies I bought and actually sort of think about trading them. That would be giant. Now, that, that most likely isn't going to happen because just getting quickly. all those rights holders in a room to sort of sign a contract that lets you do that is that nigh impossible. That would be a Steve Jobs moment for Amazon. Like yes. It would take them sitting down and just being like, guys, we control 8%, 9%, 10%, whatever it is, Amazon controls the distribution today. We're going to do this and you're either in or not. Like the problem is I don't think they own enough. Like whereas Apple on like the eve of the iPod, digital music distribution was a tiny part of their businesses. Today it's an enormous part. But like, honestly, there's probably enough people fed up of Spotify that maybe anything that represents a bigger transactional piece of the pie, maybe, maybe it's interesting. Very interesting. Lots to think about. I do think we should wrap up though. Otherwise we could be here all day. Chris Madden, where can people find out more about you? Uh, Twitter at Chris Madden or at Floor for Floor. Awesome. You can find me at Pet Barisha on Twitter, P-E-T-B-R-I-S-H-A or at The Floorcast if you want to see The Floorcast and on Substack Notes. Wait, is, is that the new Substack Twitter? Substack Notes. That's Substack you Twitter. About? Have you not seen Substack? Have you not seen all the drama? Oh yeah, so I, I saw the drama, but I've oh, been yeah, they're to banned. <laughs> what? They're banned from Twitter. I posted like, "Hey, testing my first ever note," and <laughs> I got responses just from other Wait, writers on Substack. Really? <laughs> and I was just like, "I'm gonna uh, download are any it. of my readers gonna be here, or is it just a writer to writer?" I thought community? you were on Beehive. Oh, you never made the move. No, no, I've never made the move to Beehive. I'm now a Substack Notes man. Uh, wow. Okay, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Honan. And uh, on the web at madewithmason.com. Or on floor at, at CK. Or on floor at, at CK. If only I could show you my username page. Or on floor at Pet Barisha. Well, you could show the pet. share page. Corwin? You can find me at 0x Corwin on Twitter or anywhere around floor. What's your floor handle? Uh, at Corwin. Not 0x? No. I actually. I mean, it's up for grabs if you want. Oh, you got him going now. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not <laughs> even going to go there. At Zero X Corwin. Chris <laughs> tried to claim my floor username like two minutes before I did it. This Chris or that Chris? This Chris. Oh, okay. Chris Madden. Bloody hell. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot we got two Chris. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll have more floorcasts for you next week. Sadly, we won't be in person. Uh, and just remember, everything we've said on this podcast isn't financial advice. It's just great advice. Oh,